and they called Donald Trump a dictator. Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. I'm looking at Joe Biden and his executive orders. We've never seen anything like this before, but again, that was my prediction in episode 78 of Hidden Headlines entitled Final Warning. Final Warning was recorded, produced, and put forth just after the election. Since then, I've cooled off. I've had a chance to take a step back. And what do I see? Well, I'm looking at America through the lens of history. And what does history tell us? You'll find out in this edition of Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. Thanks for joining me, everyone. More on me at briansussman.com. So we're into the opening weeks of the new Biden-Harris administration. And what do we see? Well, we see an America that is no longer going to be energy independent. Oh, Russia has to be thrilled. So do the Saudis. And all of those solar manufacturers, because that's what Joe says. Everyone's going to move from the oil industry into solar. That's, that's just what these guys do. Have you ever met a man working the fields, the oil fields, the fracking fields, the drilling fields? Have you ever met that particular guy? They love what they do. They're very content doing that very, very hard work. I can't imagine them having so much of a joy building or installing solar panels. And by the way, those solar panels, by and large, will probably continue to be made in China. That's certainly the way the Obama administration liked it. But let's continue moving around the world. China's thrilled right now because all those deals, all those terrible deals from a business standpoint that Obama and others cut with China, giving China a great favor. Trump went over there, you'll remember, and met with the Chinese president or dictator and told him, listen, from a business standpoint, what you did was amazing, but uh, there's a new sheriff in town. We're not doing these kind of deals any longer. China is P.O.'d, P.O.'d. But not any longer because Joe Biden is going to recut all those deals. You know who else is happy? Iran. Iran gets to start rebuilding its nuclear supply, its nuclear warheads. Oh, this will be wonderful. I'm sure Israel's pleased as punch over this. North Korea's got to be emboldened as well. So that's what's going on on the international stage. I mentioned, of course, domestically, we are not going to be an energy-independent country any longer. But what else is happening domestically? Well, let's look at babies in the womb. Planned Parenthood is cheering because now they'll be receiving federal funding once again. And by the way, those federal funds will be supplying for Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood can be used for abortions in other countries. The Biden administration even wants to uh, make sure that children who are diagnosed with Down syndrome in the womb can also be aborted. This is devilish. But what else has this administration done thus far? Oh, this is great. Do you have a daughter who's an athlete? Well, that's going to be fun because when they're in high school, now they get to compete against boys pretending to be girls. I could go on and on. The executive orders seem endless at this point. 
But I wanted to take a look at what we can expect for America through the lens of history, through the lens of history. Because when you step back and see where we are through the lens of history, you'll realize that my last episode entitled Final Warning was uh, spot on. I'm praying that the tide will turn. There's only one way for this tide to turn, I believe. And I'll get to that a little bit later in this edition of Hidden Headlines. I'm not really sure why, but it's almost as if for decades I've seen this time coming. I was reading books warning us that this day may come years ago. In fact, one of those books is in my hands as I speak. It's called Descent into Slavery by Des Griffin. Uh, Most of what he writes in this book I wholeheartedly agree with. It's based on history, spot on. There are other comments he makes in the book which I totally disagree with, but I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm going to be reading from this book in this edition of Hidden Headlines, and I'll be commenting as, uh, as well. But again, this is just one of many books that got me very concerned with the way in which America was heading even back in the day. So let me just start here, because I think a great place to begin our study is with the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had, gosh, in terms of its its greatness, so to speak, it, it was among the greatest empires of all history. And there were a lot of good things initially going on in the Roman Empire, initially. But then they started getting a little too big for their britches and they fell. But as the famous philosopher Santayana observed, those who ignore the lessons of history are destined to relive them. And this is something I was warning my radio audience with for 20 years while I was on KSFO in San Francisco, because history is replete with examples of of great nations, which rose to a position of unbelievable power, and they prospered for a time, and then they began to slowly decay, and they were finally swept into oblivion. But again, perhaps the most outstanding example of these superpowers from the past is the Roman Empire. We're talking 2,000 years ago. Rome's wealth, Rome's military strength staggered the imagination of the ancient world. But then when free bread and the circuses became more important to the people than hard work and patriotism, Rome fast began to crumble. Yes, Rome fast began to crumble. In fact, it's really interesting, and I'll talk about the the circuses and the theaters in just a moment, but anyone who's ever toured the Roman Empire, you've seen these incredible theaters, these stadiums. I remember a couple years ago, I was at one of these Roman stadiums in Orange, France. It was, again, it's been 2,000 years. It's a shadow of its former self, but you could just see how grand this must have been at one time. So let's take a look, a closer look, at ancient Rome, because the demise of Rome was brought about by the same national diseases that are permanently racking the United States. What are those diseases? Well, crime, rampant crime, the breakup of the home and the breakdown of the family, an explosion in government bureaucracy, welfare, 
the decline of patriotism. Patriotism's been stamped out in some cases. And, and the collapse of, for lack of a better word, national resolve. You see, like America, Rome was built on a solid foundation initially of the family structure. But by the beginning of the second century, most Roman fathers had succumbed to the trends of time. In fact, I'm reading here from a book called The Daily Life in Ancient Rome. Having given up the habit of controlling their children, they let their children govern them and took pleasure in, in bleeding themselves white to gratify the expensive whims of their offspring. The result was that they were succeeded by a generation of idlers and wastrels who had grown up accustomed to luxury and lost all sense of discipline. Do I need to comment any further? Does that sound familiar, my friends? It seems like with each passing generation since the greatest generation, the World War II generation, we've become weak. We've become soft. We've become pushovers. Now, I know there are exceptions to the rule, and you're one of them. You're listening to this podcast, but you know what I'm talking about. Rome also witnessed an epidemic of divorces. That was something unheard of at the time. Well, you know what? As I was growing up, divorce was unheard of. I think back to my high school years. I was in a large high school. Uh, looking at my high school class, I only remember, quite honestly, two people, two kids who came from divorced families. Well, now if you're in high school, you look around. Divorce, divorce is the norm. No big deal. No big deal. Move along. Break down to the family. It's just a part of life. There was also a woman's rights movement in Roman society where wives wanted to evade the duties of maternity for fearing they would lose their good looks. And they also just wanted to break free from having to raise children. They wanted their own lives, so to speak. You know, I, I think of one of the strongest women. Actually, she is the strongest woman I know, my wife. For those of you listening who know my wife, she's a very, very strong woman. Physically, emotionally, she's got broad shoulders. She's incredible. Uh, she had a wonderful career when we were first married. Wonderful career, an advanced degree, wonderful career. And she thought the most important thing she could do was raise her kids. So she stepped back from her career, raised the kids, and then when she wanted to get back involved in her career later, which was teaching, she was able to do so, but she became very, very involved with other things, ended up starting some businesses, and now she's taking care of her elderly parents who are 96. She's a strong, strong woman. And I would have to say that in terms of women's rights, listen, she knows what her rights are. She knows her place. She's got a good head on her shoulders. God bless her. But I'm talking about the breakdown of the family structure and the disintegration of the parent-child relationship. We're seeing that now, and they saw that in ancient Rome. What about the Roman schools? Well, they undermined instead of strengthened the children's morals. Sound familiar? In fact, the dismal education of these young Romans left them with no set of moral values and no sense of patriotism. Very similar to what we're seeing today. And Roman virtues, the virtues were honesty, frugality, patriotism. 
this began to wither and die. And again, you could see all of that happening quite, quite, quite before our very eyes here in the United States of America. So as this decay continued, what did the Roman government decide to do? Well, they decided to placate the people. In all of the great cities of the provinces, they built these humongous theaters, theaters. And what do we have? We don't have, the, well, we have the theaters these days, but with the COVID, they're all locked down. We have more entertainment available to people than ever. Pick your poison. Whatever you would like to see, it is there. From the wholesome to the absolutely grotesque, it's all there. And if you don't want to watch a film, a movie, a TV show, well, then there's the Internet. Do whatever you want. See whatever you want. Say whatever you want on the Internet. Well, you can't say whatever you want these days because with so many platforms being banned, and that's another story for another podcast. But on top of that, if you don't like to read stuff on the Internet, watch stuff on the Internet, you can play games. And the gaming industry is going through the roof right now with the COVID. But again, in all the great cities, theater held the same place of bad preeminence in the social life of the inhabitants that, that we're seeing today. I'm reading here from Rome, its rise and fall. It says the Roman stage was gross and immoral. It was one of the main agencies to which must be attributed the undermining of the originally sound moral life of Roman society. So absorbed did the people become in the indecent representations on the stage that they lost all thought and care for the affairs of real life. They thrilled with barbaric joy. They could not constrain their delight at the sight of the bloodiest conflicts. The thousands of Romans who day by day from morning till night could take pleasure in this slaughter did not spare a tear for those whose sacrifice multiplied their gambling stakes. So in other words, they'd go to, for example, the great Roman Colosseum and they'd be wagering on whether this particular person or that particular person would live or die when faced with, for example, lions. This was the de total decay of Rome's moral fiber. And it signaled, quite frankly, the final collapse of the empire. Very similar to what we're seeing today. Another important factor that contributed to Rome's downfall was the huge influx of aliens. Now I'm going to sound like a racist. But it's true. The new Romans who were coming from all over as, as regions of the, of the empire were being conquered or I should say, as regions of the empire were being added to through conquer, uh, the new Romans were totally different than the people who were fleeing the country to settle elsewhere. They didn't spring from the soil of Roman culture. Their recollections and affections were elsewhere. And this is the same thing we're seeing today. Listen, people who immigrate to this country legally, in many cases are, are well, I would say most cases, are wonderful people. They came here for all the right reasons. And a large percentage of them, perhaps the largest percentage, want to be American. That was the case with my family. My family came here from Europe. They wanted to be American. 
They wanted to bleed red, white, and blue. But for many who come here legally, they don't, they don't share that same, that same particular goal. And for those who come here illegally, well, you can fill in the blanks on that. So as the problems multiplied within the borders of the Roman Empire, the authorities resorted to free handouts in an effort to placate the mobs. And what are we seeing now? The welfare state is humongous in this country. On top of that, with the COVID, people are relying on, expecting, counting on handouts from the government. That's why in a podcast I did recently regarding the Great Reset, I believe the COVID was the perfect potion for the Great Reset in that it would help evaporate, wipe out, eliminate capitalism as we know it. Because with the Great Reset, the idea is transnationalism. The idea is people being beholden to the government. The government would become their sugar daddy. So welfareism was a leading fact of Roman life. And the evils that resulted from this state charity, misdirected state charity, I might add, can, can hardly be overstated when you look at history. Idleness and all its accompanying vices were fostered to such a degree that we shall probably not be wrong in enumerating the practice as one of the chief causes of demoralization of society. That last quote comes from Rome, It's Rise and Fall, page 523. And as the problems of Rome continued to grow, the government came up with another answer. Okay, we've tried entertainment. We've tried welfare. How about this? More government. Yeah, that's right. More government. A vast bureaucracy. Higher taxes. There were land taxes, property taxes, occupation taxes, poll taxes. And the heart was taken out of enterprising people. Because work hard, work hard, work hard, and pay those taxes, and you don't have anything for yourself at the end of the day. And what happened? The middle class in Rome was wiped out. And at this point, the government intervened and bound the people to the soil. This was the beginning of serfdom. And bound the workmen to their occupations and trades. You stay over here. You'll never go further than this. Private enterprise was crushed. The state was forced to take over many kinds of businesses to keep the machine running. I mean, look what's happening today. We've had so many small businesses, entrepreneurs, crushed by these crazy lockdowns. This has been purposeful. Because they'll, then it, they'll therefore be on the government dole, beholden to the government, and there's an opportunity for the very, very wealthy elites to come in, scoop up their property, bottom dollar, slurp up their businesses, bottom dollar, and make the elites not just richer, but all the more powerful. And again, the middle class was completely wiped out, and there was a devaluation of the currency. Does that not sound familiar? Again, these, these incredible parallels that exist between ancient Rome and modern America cannot be denied. Can we afford to allow these dangerous trends to continue? Can we afford to ignore the dramatic warning 
contained in the pages of history. You know, our forefathers were acutely aware of the warnings contained in the chronicles of past civilizations, and they earnestly exhorted their fellow countrymen to avoid the mistakes committed by these these great nations of the past. You know, our nation was founded by men and women of courage, of vision, of education, of integrity, and these rugged individualists personally experienced tyrannical despotism upon founding this country. That's why they came here, fleeing despotism. They wanted to establish a society that would not fall into the same snares and pitfalls. And that's why they looked upon America as as the promised land. And they believed they would be held strictly accountable by God for the manner in which they developed and governed their new home, their new country. John Winthrop, Winthrop said this. It's, it's, all, it's a prophecy. It really is a prophecy. We shall be as a city on a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. So if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the world. The eyes of all people are upon us. I remember I have friends all over the world. Many of you have more friends than I all over the world. And they were carefully watching this last election because they wanted America to prosper. They they saw us as a land of plenty that was benefiting their world as well, especially when it comes to spiritual things like the propagation of Christianity and the spread of the gospel. So, again, the eyes of all the people are upon us. And if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work of maintaining this great country, we have undertaken and so caused him to withdraw his present help from us. I mean, that's John Winthrop. Some could say, that's what's happened. We have dealt falsely with our God in this work of being a sitting on a hill. And he has withdrawn his present help from us. Some of you would agree with that. Some of you would not. But I'm just sharing with you what Winthrop said hundreds of years ago. Because colonial society was solidly founded on biblical principles. Principles of hard work, personal integrity, close-knit family unit, a total conviction of the sovereignty of God. And colonial America was a fertile ground for those who were willing to work It was an environment specifically designed for individuals with initiative, with with vision, with a sense of rugged independence, who are prepared to use their minds, plan ahead, save, and invest the fruit of their labors for the benefit of not just themselves, but their community. And the results were phenomenal. The colonies grew, the colonists prospered beyond all expectations, And that prosper was spread throughout the world. News of their freedom and their prosperity spread to the old world. And as John Winthrop had prophesied, all the eyes of the people were upon America. 
And the strength of America was not based on military power. It was based on character and moral fiber. Integrity, diligence, productivity were taught and practiced as a way of life. Dynamic leaders were produced from this mold for many, many years. And when the British crown attempted to seize control of the wealth of the colonies, the people said, hell no. And they threw them out. And they truly established a new nation, the United States of America. You know, no one grasped this truth more clearly than Samuel Adams. People now know Samuel Adams for beer. But here's what the original Samuel Adams stated. The Constitution was made solely for moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But once they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. My gosh, it seems as if that's where we are today. Virtue? It's limited to a few. Surrendering liberties? Oh my gosh, give me that welfare check. What do I have to do to not work? How can you entertain me all the more? The freer, the cheaper, the better. The more gross, the more carnal, the more perverted, the better. So you look around the United States today and you have to ask yourself, are we a virtuous people? You know, John Adams wrote, in times of simplicity and innocence, Ability and integrity will be the principal recommendations to public service. I want to repeat that. John Adams, in times of simplicity and innocence, ability and integrity will be the principal recommendations to public service. And the sole title of these honors and emulence, which are in the power of the public to bestow. But when elegance, luxury, and effeminacy begin to be established, his words... Elegance, luxury, and effeminacy begin to be established. These rewards will begin to be distributed to men of vanity and folly. Vanity and folly. You see, we're trading, we're trading honor. We're trading innocence. We're trading integrity for vanity and folly. And he went on to say, when the government becomes totally corrupted, the system of God Almighty and the governments of the world and the rules of good government on earth will be reversed and virtue, integrity, and ability will become the subjects of malice and hatred and revenge of men in power and folly and vice and villainy will be cherished and supported. Integrity and ability will be traded for malice, hatred, and revenge Are we not seeing that today? And you know what's even more sickening? Or just adding to all of this, I suppose. Maybe not more sickening. But when you speak of the virtue and the morality of the founders of this country, nowadays, the first thing the left says is, they were racist. They were racist. They were racist. And... With that one word, they're able to erase all of the wonderful deeds 
all of the wonderful examples, all of the wonderful writings and thoughts that our founders were hoping that we would cling to in order to maintain the United States of America. As I see it, the only hope of turning this nation around and putting it back on a sane and rational course lies with we the people. We the people. We the people must wake up. We are the government. I know the Biden-Harris administration says no. The government provides all of your needs according to its riches and glory. No, no, no. The government was established in this country to protect us, to protect our life, our liberty, to protect our pursuit of happiness. The government is there to protect and ensure those things. The Biden-Harris administration believes we are here to provide those things. Big, big difference. We, the people, have the power to change undesirable legislation, to alleviate growing tax burdens and other intolerable conditions if we so choose. The problem is, the major problem is, what has been done in front of our eyes for all these many years is that we have a corrupted voting system. And that has to be changed. How that to, is to be changed, friends, I don't have the answer for you. But if we have a hope of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness the way it was intended in this country, that's got to be changed. We need good men and women of character to stand tall, to be willing to lose everything, to re represent us in our state capitals, and in the United States Capitol as well. But beyond all that, we need a revival of spirit in this country. We need a revival that's based on the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's a revival based on the spirit of God the God who sent his son to this world, not to condemn this world, but to save the world. I'm talking about Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua. We need that spirit, the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, the Rach HaKodesh. To fall upon this nation. People are bummed out. People are discouraged. People are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they've not heard the truth in their schools. They've not heard the truth in their families. They've not heard the truth in their neighborhoods. They've not heard the truth from their representatives in government. They've not heard the truth from their houses of worship in many cases. We need a spiritual revival. And that's my greatest prayer. My greatest prayer. Thanks for joining me, my friends. Hidden headlines, faith, family, freedom. And now as I hear a leaf blower in the background, I will say as my callers did on my radio show on KSFO, I will now hang up on myself. <laughs>